0: This presentation is from Design Research 2021, day three. Our next talk um, our next talk is going to be Lucy. Uh, Lucy's from Dovetail um, and will be giving us the reverse view of this topic around creating impact, engaging with stakeholders from the perspective of, of stakeholders. Hi Lucy. Welcome. Hello, thank you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Our pleasure. Um, We're we're ready when you're ready. Hi everyone, thank you so much for having me today. Big thank you to UX Australia for having me once again. It's a pleasure to be here. Uh, My name's Lucy. I'm currently the product design lead at Dovetail here in Sydney. I've been working at Dovetail for just over a year now. And prior to that, I worked as a product designer at Atlassian for just over five years. And if you are unfamiliar with Dovetail, we're a startup building a tool for researchers and anyone doing research in organizations to analyze qualitative data, enable collaborative analysis, and also act as a research repository for teams. But this talk is not about Dovetail, Uh, but the reason that I mention that is because at Dovetail, obviously our primary customers are researchers and people who do research. And as the design lead over the past year, I've had the opportunity to really understand how researchers work and the challenges that they face in their roles. One theme that we hear about all the time from researchers is that they sometimes struggle to engage stakeholders in the output of their work. And I think Jess has touched on this quite a lot, which is just another data point to hear. Researchers are frustrated when they finish a study, present their findings and no one seems interested or excited about those findings and no one appears to take any action. They're frustrated when priorities change throughout the course of their study uh, and their research is considered no longer important or no longer a priority. Sometimes themes come up consistently throughout research studies, and you hear the same things over and over again, but nothing appears to change, which is obviously quite frustrating. And some researchers struggle to understand the impact of their work. These are just a couple of quotes from some researchers I've spoken to recently in my own research that I hope others here can empathize with along this theme. In my role as a designer and particularly at Atlassian in the larger team, I have been the stakeholder in research many times across many different studies with many different researchers. And as such, I'm the one who needs to understand the research so that I can make the right decisions as it relates to the user experience, but also to prioritize work as a leader in the team. So when I first joined Dovetail and I started to hear these stories from researchers, it really made me reflect on my experience working with researchers. I've had experience working with researchers where I can imagine that they did feel like this some of the time. But on the flip side, as a stakeholder, I actually found it really hard to engage in their work and hard to use their output in my design process. At Atlassian and now primarily at Dovetail, I've had more opportunities to build my own research skills and run my own studies. So now that I'm running my own studies and I'm having to present my findings to my stakeholders, I'm starting to understand this problem more from a firsthand perspective. And as I said, this has really made me reflect on how I want to be included as a stakeholder in research and how I want to include stakeholders in my work, which is what I'm going to talk about today. But before I jump into it, I wanted to start off with a little story about one particular experience I had working with a researcher on a study where I particularly struggled to incorporate the research findings in my design process. This was at Atlassian, and as you can imagine, Atlassian is a very large organization with multiple products. And for the most part, the organization is organized by product team. So you have the Jira team and the Confluence team and the Bitbucket team, etc. And within those teams, you have sub teams made up of designers, product managers and engineers working on different parts of the product. And the research team at Atlassian has grown and changed a lot over the time that I was there, but at this particular point in time, the research team was separate from the product teams, and they worked with the product teams on a project-by-project basis. So the researchers would often work on studies on a particular theme that could span across multiple sub-teams and multiple products. And while I don't think that's a bad thing at all, obviously it's great to consolidate studies, um, much better to run one study and learn everything than running lots of multiple studies. But it also meant that as a stakeholder, uh, the researcher I was relying on for insights to inform my work was also considering the requirements of other designers and other product managers and their needs and consolidating those into one study. So for this particular project, uh, the process for this study, and I want to emphasize that this is not the process for every study at Atlassian, there are a lot of researchers, a lot of studies going on, really depends on the context, and this was a number of years ago. But for the purpose of my story, um, the process for this particular study was the researcher received direction from management that they were going to perform a study on this particular theme over a period of a quarter. And then the researcher met with the stakeholders who were involved to understand what the team needed to learn from this study. And then she created a research plan and shared it with the rest of the team for feedback. Sometimes at Atlassian, I was able to be involved in the research sessions. Sometimes I helped run the sessions. Sometimes I was able to watch the recording afterwards. But in this particular study, I was unable to attend. So our researcher recruited all the participants by herself, and then she ran the sessions alone. And a few weeks later, I, along with all of the other stakeholders involved, received a report that included a comprehensive set of user Needs, um, along with some supporting evidence and really well documented themes and patterns that had come up in this study. And I read this report, Uh, it all made sense to me. I found it very interesting. It was very thorough and well documented. But then I had to go and improve the experience of the part of the product that I was responsible for and include her findings in that process. And that part was where I really struggled. The first issue in this case was that the researcher I was working with wasn't a part of our team. She didn't sit with us. She wasn't invited to team rituals. We didn't know her very well. She didn't know us very well. We didn't have a relationship. And because of this, I felt that she didn't have much insight into the team's needs beyond that initial research brief. I felt like if she had been more involved in the team or more included in the team, she could have had more insight into what we needed to learn as a team and the various knowledge gaps. As for the output of her work, structures like User needs, journey maps, personas are really helpful and, in fact, one of the most valuable things I think researchers contribute to the team is being able to add colour to research data or structure the data in a way that makes it usable by teams. But without the context of how the researchers uh, created or developed those structures, it's really hard to interpret during the design phase uh, or when you're prioritising features to understand the full context behind those structures. It felt like the data was abstracted away from me and I was just kind of guessing. Because this study in particular was across a theme that included findings that affected other areas of the business, while I found the report interesting to read, it was quite overwhelming and hard to pull out the bits that were relevant to me. So as a result, I actually ended up scheduling a lot of workshops with this particular researcher throughout the design process to help her, to help fill in the gaps in my knowledge which i felt really guilty about i felt like i was wasting her time and i was bothering her um, but more importantly i suppose uh, throughout that process we found gaps in our knowledge uh, things that we had missed during the study that we then had to go and conduct more interviews to fill in those gaps which was a bit of a, a waste of time we could have caught that earlier I am quite anti-report for a number of reasons as a consumer of research and also a producer of research findings. Obviously, they're boring. Uh, Everyone knows that. They're boring to create and they're boring to consume and they take a long time. But more importantly, I find them such a long form way of documenting research findings that I don't think they encourage Action. I have sometimes found myself studying research reports with a highlighter in hand, trying to pull out the bits that are important to me and relevant to me, which just feels too hard to me. Um, I've heard some people say that reports can be a great asset to keep in your research repository or to keep so you can refer to that research data later on. In practice, that has never really worked well for me. Even if the reports are stored in a place that's accessible to everyone, you really have to know what was covered in a particular study and then go digging through the report, which has so much context based in it from that particular study that it can be really difficult to pull those findings out and use them in another context. Usually, I'll have to ask the research team to pull out data points for me. I'll go to them and say, hey, what's everything we know about XYZ and ask them to pull that together for me, which is obviously not a great use of their time. So with all of this in mind, I want to talk about how I've worked with researchers where it's worked really well and how I want to be engaged as a stakeholder. These are also things that I've learned from talking to many researchers over the past year about how they work with their teams and some recent realizations I've had since being the one doing a lot of the research and sharing that with my own stakeholders. One of the things that I have noticed when talking to researchers about the challenges with engaging stakeholders in their research is that they often group all of their stakeholders into one bucket. From designers and engineers to VPs of products and CEOs, they group them all together. So firstly, I think it's really important to understand the different perspectives and priorities and context of your stakeholders. And understand how you can cater, how you collaborate and communicate research to them based on those needs. Depending on your organization, your stakeholders might include upper management, product management, marketing, sales, design, engineering, support. However, I find that regardless of these roles, stakeholders tend to fall into two categories. And these categories are decision makers. I call them decision makers and informed. And I find you can treat these two groups slightly differently when it comes to working with them on research. Decision makers are people who will be directly using the outputs of your research to do their job and make decisions. For example, your research might inform changes a designer will make to a design, inputs into a design sprint, they might influence a change in priorities on the roadmap that a product product manager will make, or they may influence a change to the product that an engineer will make. I believe it's really important that these people are fully immersed into the research process and have full context over the findings to be able to properly understand users and do their jobs and make those decisions. Informed stakeholders, on the other hand, they really care that research is being done and that it's being done correctly, but generally they're more interested in what the research informs or what the team is going to change because of the research rather than the actual findings themselves. So, for example, last year I was working on a concept testing study, and at the end of the study I had a bunch of really insightful findings that I was personally really excited about. Uh, And I presented these to my CEO and my CTO, and they were not disinterested. But they were not as excited or enthusiastic as I was and I left a little bit disappointed um, that they did not meet my level of enthusiasm. But I took these learnings and I made changes to the designs um, and improved the experience based on what I had learnt and then I presented those designs to the CEO and CTO again. And then they were really excited and really engaged. And we were able to have a really fruitful conversation about the direction we were going to take the product, the decisions that I had made, and how what I had learnt during the research phase had informed those decisions. So if you consider the context and the priorities of a CEO and a CTO, they care more about what direction the product's going in, um, what's gonna be built, uh, what changes we're gonna make rather than the actual research findings themselves. This diagram that I have up on the screen here is just one example of how the different roles might fall into these two categories. This is typically how it's worked for me, but depending on your organization and the type of research you're doing, uh, there could be different roles in these uh, bubbles. This is just one example. Once you've identified who your decision makers are, I think it's really important to build a great working relationship with them and really embed yourself in the team, even if you're not embedded in the team in an org chart sense. And this is really true of any role, even as a designer, I will make a big effort to build a great relationship with my product manager and the engineers that I'll be working closely with. It just really helps me to be effective in my role if I have a good relationship with those people. And I think that by being involved in team rituals and team discussions, researchers can start to build a better picture of what the team needs in terms of research and what the knowledge gaps are. I think that one thing researchers are really good at is identifying what the knowledge gaps are, whereas if you ask a ask a stakeholder what they need to know. They can't always identify what the gaps are or articulate them. Uh, And they're usually thinking short-term, like I need to know this one thing right now, whereas a researcher can think more holistically. In the companies I've worked in, we've had strong one-on-one cultures. A one-on-one is just a meeting, um, can be half an hour once a week or once a fortnight, where you go grab a coffee or have a chat in a one-on-one setting. But the purpose of this meeting is really focused around relationship building hearing the other person's side of the story, uh, how their work's going, what they're concerned about, how they're engaging with the team and I found this a great way to build working relationships and I think it really helps to have a setting where you can give each other honest feedback which is really important in a researcher decision maker relationship. My next point is that I believe decision makers should be involved in every part of the research process in order to have full context of the findings and be able to include those research findings in their process, make informed decisions and action that research. So this means including decision makers in the planning, recruitment, execution, analysis and reporting or any documenting uh, that you do. And I am aware that this assumes that you have highly engaged stakeholders who are willing to give up that time and believe in the value of research, uh, which is not always the case, as Jess just touched on. Um, So I'm going to come back to talking about difficult stakeholders and how you can include them in the process as well. This diagram is from Thomas Sharon's book, It's Our Research, which I highly recommend. It's a great read. Um, the red cells in this diagram indicate what happens when you don't collaborate with your decision makers, and the green indicates what happens when you do collaborate with your decision makers. So you can see here, if you don't collaborate with your decision makers at all, it's a fail. Whereas if you collaborate during planning, analysis, reporting, and follow up, uh, but you don't collaborate during recruitment and execution. It's a smiley face. It's pretty good. But if you're able to collaborate across the entire process, it's a big win uh, party emoji. Collaborating with stakeholders across the research process means you're able to have better buy-in of your research results, especially if you do have skeptical stakeholders, and your decision makers are also able to give you feedback throughout the process so that you can make sure that you stay on track with learning the right things and answering the most important questions. So now I'm gonna walk through the different phases of the research process and talk more in detail as to how and why you can include your decision makers in that phase. Generally, the first step in the process is to create a research plan. So you might identify who your stakeholders are, Uh, understand their requirements for the study, create a research plan and share that plan with them. I find sharing the research plan for feedback is pretty common practice. But I highly recommend getting your decision makers together in a room or a virtual room these days and work on the plan together. Personally, I find having a discussion on the plan a much more effective way of fleshing out the research needs and identifying the objectives of the study, even when this includes people across different teams or different areas of the business. I found that working on this together... Uh, By working on it together, you're more likely to think long term and holistically about the study, identify knowledge gaps that you could potentially fill with this study and make it a much better use of everyone's time. Of course, it's up to the researcher to drive this conversation, formalise the plan after the discussion, choose the appropriate methodology and move the study forward in an appropriate manner. As with making sure you're asking the right questions, it's important to make sure you're asking the right people. There's nothing worse than getting to the end of a study. And a stakeholder saying that a demographic of people was missing, or you spoke to admins when you really should have been speaking to end users, or something like that, is very frustrating. So as with planning, I think it's important to include your decision makers in the process of defining that participant criteria. And I often find that non-researchers will say something like, yeah, let's talk to admins. But when you really dig into that request, they actually want to talk to admins of enterprise customers who've been a customer for six months or longer, and they want a team of this size, and so on. So it's really important to discuss that and dig into those requests. In one study that I worked on with a researcher, we were able to sit down together and select people from our research panel that matched our criteria. And that was really helpful for me just to have context over who we were going to speak to. But also as the design lead, and I had been at the company a bit longer, than she had, I had more context over the product than she did. So it was helpful for me to have input into who the people are who best suit our criteria and who the best people to talk to are for what we want to learn. I also think that's just a nice way to make your stakeholders feel included in the process and um, get excited about who they're going to talk to uh, and have some sense of ownership over the project. In some cases, you may have stakeholders who can help connect you to participants that are difficult to find. Um, For example, if you are working with sales or customer support, they may be able to connect you to uh, research participants or interesting customers that would otherwise be difficult for you to find. So connecting with them on that basis can be really helpful for you. I'm a strong believer that decision-makers must have significant face time with study participants. I think that observing studies is the bare minimum to get a stakeholder to buy in to research and enable that decision-maker to understand the user pain firsthand. And I say significant because ideally the stakeholders would attend all research sessions, but I know that's not always possible. So I think they should attend as many sessions as possible, but it can't be one session. So it has to be as many as possible, or at least two. I would go none over one, if that makes sense. And the reason for that is that observing one session completely distorts the stakeholder's perspective of what happened in that study. Every user is unique and every session is unique, so the stakeholder will build, be able to build a much better picture of what happened in that study if they can attend more than one session. And I say engage FaceTime, which means that decision makers have to be active during the sessions rather than passive, even if they're just observing. Uh, There are several different ways to do this, and it really depends on how many stakeholders you have, the nature of your research, the time constraints, your stakeholders' willingness to give up their time and participate. But here are a few ways that I've been involved in sessions that have worked for me. So I've been invited to attend the sessions in person where I'll sit next to the researcher and observe. I've been invited to attend remotely, even if the participant and the researcher are together in one room in person, I've dialed in and observed remotely. Uh, Some researchers will leave time for me at the end to ask any follow-up questions that I have. At Atlassian, we did this method uh, where we would create a Slack channel for each session and the observers could post questions in the Slack channel. And the researcher would curate those during the session and ask questions that were appropriate. I've been a note taker many times. I've helped with running the interviews. Uh, with researchers, and I've been involved in debrief sessions with researchers and the other observers where we discuss the key themes that came out of each session. And I think it can be really helpful if you can cater how you engage your decision-makers to the person. Some stakeholders might be able to run sessions, but that doesn't mean that every stakeholder should, can and should run sessions, Some stakeholders might love note-taking, whereas for others that's not a great way for them to engage. It might be easier for you as a researcher to have some stakeholders join remotely. Um, I was doing a study last year and I included my marketing manager. As an observer, and I had her join the session remotely and dial in, Uh, but she is very much a people person. She loves to connect with people. So for her, having her dial in remotely with her camera off, taking notes was not a good way to engage her because she really struggled to connect with the person remotely And it was not great, but we've worked on our relationship since then. uh, And now I have a better understanding of how to engage her in studies in the future. And that really comes back to that building relationships and understanding your team on a personal level. I've been involved in studies where I've observed some of the sessions and then received the report at the end of the study without being involved in the analysis process. And while this is obviously better than not being involved at all, I think the analysis process is really where you start to be able to connect the stories you've heard during the interviews or the sessions with ideas and actionable outcomes that you could take on your work. As I said previously, one of the most valuable things that I think researchers contribute is adding color to the research data or creating a system or structure to help us interpret that data. So for example, things like user needs, finding patterns and themes in user stories, journey maps, empathy maps, mental model diagrams. There's a bunch of them out there, Uh, but these things really help going into the design process and any prioritization phase that we do as a team, but again I really need the context of how those things were created uh, and the data behind them to be able to use them appropriately. Usually one or two quotes isn't enough. I think there are a lot of different ways to include stakeholders in the analysis process and collaborative analysis is a whole other presentation in itself, but obviously some common ways of doing this are affinity mapping, coding or tagging transcripts uh, and spreadsheet analysis. Sometimes I think it can be difficult to include stakeholders in the analysis process, especially if they're not UX people. Um, If it's not possible, I do think that doing a debrief session after a research session where you talk about the common themes or the key themes that came out of that session and do a mini analysis um, debrief afterwards can be enough for some stakeholders. It's really just connecting what you've heard with consistent themes that are coming up. The analysis process, in my opinion, is sometimes the hardest part of a research study, especially something like a generative study. And this is really where the research craft comes into play. So obviously, it's important that researchers lead this process and guide stakeholders Uh, Stakeholders are really just along for the ride in this part of the process. In my opinion, there are better ways of documenting research outputs than long-form reports. Um, I think the best way of documenting research outputs is in granular findings using the atomic research method, which Jess also touched on earlier. If you're unfamiliar with the atomic research method, Again, it's a big topic on its own, but there's a lot of resources about it online uh, that you can easily find if you Google atomic research. Um, I've linked a few resources here. The second link there is a blog that Toma Sharon wrote um, for Dovetail's blog that I found particularly interesting when I was just learning about the concept. As a decision maker, I find it so much easier for me to understand the facts and build up the context on the research outcomes when they're documented in this granular atomic unit, Uh, because they're not baked, they don't have so much context of the study baked into them. It's not always possible to be involved in every study, obviously, and uh, things might come up in other studies that could be relevant to my part of the product or my business unit that I wasn't involved in. And I found this granular documentation style a much easier way to consume research that I wasn't involved in. Ideally, your atomic units or your findings are stored in a searchable repository where I can, as a decision maker, I can search and find that data when I need it. And I think that this is so important um, because a lot of the time research data is pulled from stakeholders rather than push from researchers, which Jess spoke about again. Meaning as a decision maker, when I'm thinking about a problem or working on a particular area of the product, or I'm trying to make a decision, I want the relevant data in that moment, rather than when a researcher has finished conducting a study and is presenting the outcomes of that study to me. I'm sure many of you have had uh, cases where stakeholders have come to you and said, hey, can you just grab me everything we know on XYZ and you have to go digging through prior research and pulling that together for stakeholders, which is time consuming and a little bit frustrating. But if the research is in a self-service repository that is searchable um, by stakeholders, this problem becomes so much easier. Even if it's not self-service, if the research findings are documented in these searchable atomic units, then as a researcher, you also have a much easier time pulling that data together for stakeholders. Again, there's a whole lot of information on research repositories out there, and it could be a whole separate talk on its own. But uh, the first link that I have on this slide has a collection of resources related to research repositories, if you're interested in learning more. I do think that there is a place in many organizations for Telling a story around these atomic units or granular findings, particularly after a study, adding some context to help stakeholders uh, understand the outcomes of a study, whether that's a blog or a presentation or some form of a lightweight report. If your findings are recorded in these uh, atomic units, then pulling together that story could be much easier to create as well as much easier to consume by stakeholders and those atoms are again easier to reuse in other contexts after the study. Ideally, when you're creating your stories or your reports, you're catering that document to the stakeholders that you're sharing it with. So if you have stakeholders that are in sales and some stakeholders that are engineers, you might want to cater how you communicate the research output differently to those two groups. So again, That means creating multiple documents, which is time consuming, a lot of work that no one has time for. But if you have it in these atomic units, it's easier to pull together uh, and organize the findings to that stakeholder's context, which is really helpful for them. Uh, Lastly, in this research process, your decision makers may be able to help you document these atomic units or your findings uh, or review them. Um, If you are creating a story or a report, they can help create that as well, which just helps them to close the loop on everything that they've heard throughout the study. As researchers, you can also use your decision-makers to help communicate and disseminate your research findings to your informed stakeholders and the rest of the business. And I think that when you can present research findings uh, as a united front, it really helps the rest of the business have buy-in to those findings and understand the value of research better. As I mentioned, a lot of what I've spoken about today assumes that you have highly engaged stakeholders who believe in the value of research and want to be involved and are willing to prioritize being involved in research, which I understand is not every stakeholder. Um, I do think that including highly engaged stakeholders in this manner and using them to help communicate the value of research can be very helpful to lead by example. Uh, But I also think the best way to win over difficult stakeholders or sceptical stakeholders is to involve them in the process, which I understand is easier said than done. And it's a bit of a journey, but I recommend starting with something small and easy to be involved in um, something where it's easy to see the tangible outcome of such as usability testing or concept testing where it's easy to organize, easy to run, Um, they can see users struggling with something firsthand and understand the direct action that should be taken um, because of that research and how it improves the product. And as I say, it's a bit of a journey. I don't think that these people are one overnight, um, but it's a process. So once the research is done, uh, what happens next? In many of my relationships with researchers, once the research report has been handed over, the researcher moves on to the next priority. And they typically leave the design or the prioritization up to me or the rest of the team. And I don't really see them again. or I don't see them again until the next study. But generally after research happens in my area, it's followed up with a design sprint or iterations to a design, maybe some design workshops or further discussions with the team. And I think there's no better way to make sure that your research is appropriately actioned than getting involved in some of those follow-up activities on the next part of the process. I think that researchers can contribute great ideas during the design process. They give great feedback on designs and they can continually help direct the design or direct the conversation in the right direction as it relates to what we learned during the research, which is really helpful. I think this also helps researchers understand why certain things might not be actioned right now. Or it might seem like they're not being actioned, but really we're working towards some kind of interim phase, um, working towards a broader goal. I also think that being involved in the next part of the process can help researchers understand how their research is used, which can help them better cater their communication to stakeholders Uh, and how they use research in their next steps. And it can also help researchers understand the impact of their work, which, again, is a pain point that we've heard come up many times. For myself, being involved in the research process in various capacities over the past few years has helped me to learn how to run research myself. And I've had a lot of support from researchers that I've worked well with in upskilling my research skills and uh, being able to do this. I know that some researchers can be quite protective of their craft, uh, but I don't think it's always feasible for researchers to run all of the research tasks in an organisation. There's usually much more to learn than there are researchers to support it. And it makes sense for researchers to prioritise more strategic, impactful work over something like concept testing or usability testing that a designer or a product manager might be able to run themselves. People like product managers and designers are always going to talk to users whether you call that research or not Uh, but being involved in the research process has helped me to understand how to better approach those conversations with users. I believe wholeheartedly that research is a specialized craft, researchers are the experts, uh, but I don't think they should be the gatekeepers to talking to customers. And I think of this challenge as being very similar to challenges that design and engineering have faced over the past five or 10 years. Um, Usually engineers outnumber designers. In my current role at Dovetail, Although we are hiring designers, little plug, uh, we're hiring, um, but we are currently a design team of two to about 12 engineers. So it's not always feasible for design to create a high-fidelity mock-up or a fully fleshed-out design for every UI or product change that the engineers need to implement. And this is pretty common across many organizations. So designers create design systems to help engineers make small design decisions on their own. At Dovetail, our engineers usually ask me to review changes they've made uh, before the final design goes out and I can get feedback, but it's a much more lightweight uh, process. And this is typically how designers scale design in organizations. So similarly, I think researchers can provide resources, training, best practices, templates, or even in-person guidance to enable people like designers and product managers to execute on small research projects or help with the execution of larger processes. projects alongside researchers, which I've had the opportunity to do in the past. Um, When I was working at Atlassian, I worked really well with um, a researcher over several studies. And one thing that um, she got me to do, we called it reverse shadowing. So I would run the interview and she would observe and then at the end of the session, she would give me feedback on my research technique, my interviewing technique. And we had a great relationship Um, that really helped me a lot. And in future studies that we did, she was able to get me to run some of the interviews and we were able to push the research project forward on a tight deadline, which was helpful. So if you have confidence that your decision makers can help with the execution phase of research, um, in turn that can help your decision makers be better engaged in that phase of the project. Uh, Just to sum up in my experience working with researchers and doing research myself and many conversations with researchers over the past year, I think researchers can better engage stakeholders in their process by first understanding the different perspectives priorities and contexts of your stakeholders and figuring out the different groups uh, finding your decision makers versus your informed stakeholders and catering your approach to those different people building strong relationships with your decision makers understanding them as people uh, and embedding yourself in the team and getting to understand the team's research needs better. Uh, involving decision makers in every part of the research process from planning, recruitment, execution, analysis and any reporting that you do um, is really beneficial to decision makers to be able to build up the full context of what they need to know um, in the next phases of their jobs and bringing sceptical stakeholders along so that they can start to understand the the value of research and uh, start to buy into it more, hopefully. Getting involved in the next steps that your team takes, whether that's design sprints or giving feedback on design iterations or help guiding the conversation um, as it relates to what you learned through the research. And finally, educating highly engaged decision makers to be able to run some research themselves. Obviously, every organisation works differently and this is what has worked for me, but I hope that there was something that you were able to take from my experiences and apply to your own teams and your own ways of working. And that is everything that I have today. I have one last little thing. Um, If you are interested in trying Dovetail as a research repository or for analysis, or maybe you're interested in the atomic uh, way of documenting research findings that I spoke about, I have an extended free trial for you all today. So if you follow the link, you can sign up and get 60 days for free. And I can post this in the chat as well. Thank you all so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. And uh, I hope that you enjoy the, the last few talks of the conference. Thank you, Lucy. That was awesome. Thank you.